It is time to get the view from Victoria and check in with the Vancouver Suns' Vaughn Palmer. Good morning to you. And good morning, Jill. Before we get to all the political news, I do need to ask you, because we were just talking about this with contributor Scott Schantz, about putting up a Christmas tree. Now, do you put up a tree, Vaughn? Yes, but not a real one. Okay. I had a number of anger management issues around (laughs) real trees, including inadequate stands, um, trees that fell over after I put them up. And I just finally decided that, you know what, one of those ones that comes out of a box is an awful lot less stressful. We have a cat in our house this year, so there's another reason I shouldn't blame the pet for this. It's mostly, as I said, my anger management issues, and uh, I don't miss the real tree at all. All right. Well, that, that, is, that is, <laughs> makes a lot of the sense. There's one the legislature. Now, they put one up at the legislature last week. And we always go down and watch it because it's a big tree. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, a whole bunch of crew drag it in. They put ropes on it. They haul it up in the foyer. And this one's year's tree looked a little bit Charlie Brownish, you know. <laughs> a little and sparse. Some comments. But it's a free tree, right? So that you can't be ungrateful. Anyway, they put a whole lot of ornaments and lights on it. It looks pretty good now, although I can't resist a political metaphor, you know. The tree is a little like the government's housing plan. Full of shiny objects and full of holes. So there you go. That's I love my it. tree comment for the day. All right. Love it. Love it. So let's get to, to uh, the political news. Not great news for BC United. Uh, no, you know, it's election year coming. BC United changed its name uh, from the party formerly known as the BC Liberals. They're having brand recognition troubles. They're trying to raise money to pay for an advertising campaign to tell the public they've changed their name. Party leader Kevin Falcon drove out John Rustad in the summer of uh, last year, not this year. And Rustad's gone off and joined the Conservative Party, and now the leader and another member is defected, and the Conservatives have official standing in the House, so it's not been great. On top of all that, the latest opinion poll is the worst we've seen yet. So BZ United hasn't connected with the voters. That's been obvious from everybody's polling. BC Conservatives rivaling BC United for standing in the polls. The latest poll is even worse. So what do we got? NDP 44%. That's majority government territory for the NDP. They don't have anything to worry about at all. Second place now, seriously second place, the BC Conservatives, 26% of undecided voters in this abacus poll. BC United, 17%. Nine points behind. Greens are about where they usually are at 9%. So you look at that and you go like all the arguments that Kevin Falcon and BC United have been making and, oh, we're going to get people aware of the brand change and all this. Like, come on. You look at those numbers and you go, this party's in serious trouble. There's a bit of a debate going on as to whether or not they're in free fall. I don't know about that. But with those numbers, the pressure on BC United to do something and on Kevin Falcon to do something is only going to increase. And what is Kevin Falcon saying about it? The fact well, that... he didn't see these. He hasn't been taught. These numbers just came out over the weekend for Abacus. They're posted on Twitter, so you can, people can go and look at them. And, you know, every poll, Joe, we know if we follow them, they come with an asterisk, right? It's not election day. Things can change. Just ask Premier Adrian Dix. But even so, um, 
What he said on Thursday at the end of the legislature session, uh, we asked him a couple of questions and we asked him about the conservative polling to that point. And he said, look, I don't pay an awful lot of attention to the conservatives because John Rustad and the conservatives are just surfing a wave created by Pierre Polyev and the federal conservative parties. A lot of confusion still about brand name and party names in BC. And that's the way Falcon writes that off. He says he doesn't pay attention doesn't pay a lot of attention to the conservative polling numbers. My view, he should, but that's what he says. He then got asked about fundraising, and he admitted what the data from Elections BC shows, which is the NDP is raising money, $2 for every dollar raised by BC United. BC United has money trouble. They have a, a fundraising pitch to their supporters at the moment, Jill, to raise money to pay for a proper advertising campaign to deal with the brand change. Now, you know, in, in our business, in media, you want to change your brand, it's very expensive. You have to buy a lot of advertising on like CKNW and if you're going to do print ads in the Vancouver Sun and on Global TV and they're not doing that because they don't have the money to do that. So money problems are huge. Other question to Falcon was, could he see any circumstances in which he would work with the Conservatives and John Rustad to defeat the NDP, and Falcon said, well, I'll work with anybody to defeat the NDP. But then he said, you know, the history of these things, I mean, political parties in the province working together to defeat the government, is not great. And he's right about that. You know, the Reform Party and the BC Liberals couldn't get their act together in 1996 to defeat uh, Glenn Clark and the New Democrats, and that's sort of the history. After parties lose an election, sometimes then they get together. But before an election, not easy to make together those alliances. Right. And, um, and and like you said, looking back at the history and and people will remember that. Do you think that we'll see an election other than the time we're currently expecting it to be? Well, you know, David Eby has said so many times that he's wedded to the date written in law for the next provincial election, which is a third Saturday in October, uh, October the 19th, 2024, that I've tended to discount that. But you're starting to hear talk from New Democrats now. They're worried that this surge in support for the B.C. Conservatives, which a party that's been nowhere, you know, since forever in B.C. politics, there, New Democrats are starting to worry that this surge of support for the B.C. Conservatives could transfer into something, translate and expand into something that actually threatens the NDP's hold on power. So you're starting to hear some New Democrats saying, well, you know, uh, is there any kind of loophole in what David <laughs> Eby said about a spring election? John Rustad, the conservative leader, is already out there saying, look, uh, he thinks that the New Democrats are going to ambush him with a spring election. Sonia Furstenau of the Greens, she got double-crossed by the NDP in 2020 about an early election. So she says, you know, I hope David Eby keeps his word this time, but she also says the Greens are getting ready for a spring election. So it may well, you know, we get a budget and a throne speech in February. They announced the schedule for the spring session of the legislature on Thursday, Jill, and they've knocked two weeks off the usual spring session. It's usually 12 weeks. They're down to 10 
The House wraps up on May 16th. So, you know, I have to say it's BC politics. The unknown and the unexpected is often the rule here. Um, I've been of the view that there's no chance of a spring election. I would now say it's possible. Continuing now with Vaughn Palmer and Vaughn BC's Attorney General, Nikki Sharma, was on this program on Friday. Uh, we were talking about some of the comments that she made when it comes to, uh, it was uh, in direct reference to a sentence that many people found was far too lenient in a voyeurism case. And she is uh, still being asked about that. Well, she's still being asked about it, Jill. And for the listener who hasn't caught all the details of this case, it does... When I first heard it, it sounded like something that you might have heard of in the court system in the 1950s. It shocked me what happened here. You have a voyeur. Uh, he installed cameras in the restroom, the washroom of an international student who was staying in his house. He taped her at least, well, the evidence showed nine times, uh, semi-clothed or unclothed. This case goes to court. The judge gives him... Conditional discharge, 30 months probation, no time in jail, and says, refers to a marital intimacy deficit as some kind of rationalization for this guy's behavior. And there's been outrage. I have heard from many people who were outraged about this case. The Attorney General, Nikki Sharma, got asked about it last week, Kirsten Robinson, and I thought she made a pretty good comment. She said, she referred to the fact it was an awful case, first of all, which I think everyone agrees. And then she made a comment that she thought maybe our judges needed um, education about sexual predators and this kind of case and all that sort of thing. Um, it struck me as a legitimate comment for the Attorney General to make. Uh, the Canadian Bar Association did not agree. They came back with a letter statement denouncing the Attorney General, saying you can't criticize judges and saying, that her comments are the kind of thing, Jill, that could lead to a loss of public confidence in the justice system. Attention Bar Association. Yes, there is a loss of public confidence in the justice system. It is not Nikki Sharma's fault. It is lenient sentencing. It is revolving door justice. It is people... Um, violent repeat offenders who offend again and again and get released by judges. Uh, so I thought it was all legitimate comments by the Attorney General. Uh, she hasn't backed down, really. She's provided some context in what she said. Something I thought, Joe, very interesting that happened last week, Thursday, Kevin Falcon, the opposition leader, got asked about this, and he Asked the reporter, asking the question, could you just clarify the case? Just remind me of everything that happened. He said, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then he said, I agree with the attorney general on this one. Hmm. I would think a lot of listeners are in the same category. Yeah. You know, I think, I mean, the, the lawyers club always rides to the defense of judges and says judges can never be criticized because they can never speak out and defend themselves. Well, I flip that around and say, judges, you're accountable for your decisions and to expect the public to remain silent when you deliver this kind of a decision, one judge delivers this kind of decision, is expecting a bit much of the public. And I think the attorney, as the opposition leader said, Jill, spoke for many British Columbians in expressing dismay and saying, if that's the way the court system sees cases like this, 
maybe judges do need uh, some enlightenment. And, and like you said, I think most people would agree with that. And you talk about the public confidence. It's sentences like that that yeah. erode the public's confidence. Yeah, I mean, we get pushed back in our business. And Kirsten Robinson did some excellent reporting for Global on this. That's Global's coverage has led the way on this case. And yeah, we hear grumbles about, oh, you know, come on, uh, circumstances alter cases and you had to be in court to hear all the evidence, all that. Yeah, I get some of that, right? I do think that the justice system needs some protection from the kind of thing you see south of the border where judges get recalled and judges get elected. But I also think that, you know, in the era we're in where the ethic that governs the justice system seems so out of touch with the public on matters like bail reform and that, I mean... Sharma had one thing she could celebrate last week. BC led the fight for reform of the criminal code regarding bail. It took a long time to get it done, but it finally got through the Senate after Sharma herself appeared in front of the Senate and pleaded for them to approve it. And it finally got done. And Bail reform is done. Uh, we'll see how it works in the new year. But I think it's a case where the New Democrats can point to some success on this issue. And again, I don't think the Attorney General has anything to apologize for in this case. All right, Vaughn, thank you so much. And we will talk to you again tomorrow. Bye-bye, Joe.